That construction crew is going to be available in the lobby later if you have a project at home. So we're talking about DIY, do it yourself, and we're talking about sharing Christ. I got to tell you, after that worship experience with the Lord's Supper and the music that, that we had, I, I feel like the waiter who comes to your table after a four course meal and says, would you like dessert with that? You know, you're already full. You know, who hasn't been blessed already in worship today by the music you've sung, by the prayers that have been offered, by the reception of the Lord's Supper? So let me just uh, close this down with just some concluding thoughts. And that's really what they are from Paul as well as he writes to the church at Colossae in chapter 4, some concluding thoughts. And I pray that they will be helpful as you think about enlisting others in sharing of Christ. I also welcome those who are watching online. Let's begin with a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all the assembled hearts prove acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I mentioned how easy it is to get our priorities mixed up. You know, life tends to make its demands of us, and we tend to listen to those demands, and we think if we don't, they're going to come and repossess something that we own. And so we get busy doing things. We get busy with work. We get busy with activity. We get busy with accomplishment. And sometimes the things that really mean the most to us take you know, second place. I said in leading into our confession that the most important things in life are, are not things, and, and yet things tend to preoccupy our time. The only time that we stop and realize that that's not the case is usually at the end of life. And we at this place, uh, as pastors, uh, experience life vicariously through your lives, and every week it seems like we're conducting memorial services. In fact, last week alone, we had three different funerals here, and we not only conduct the service, we also sit down with the family, and we talk about all the memories, and the memories aren't about great accomplishments. They don't bring all the plaques and all the awards and all the letters of, uh, you know, success to share with us. They talk about personal memories. They talk about interaction, and they talk about you. They talk about friends who have meant the world to them and who have sustained them, and how at that time they especially realized the value of relationships and the importance of people. So today I, I pray that I can help you recall that and be more intentional about the relationships you have, even as Paul speaks about a lot of relationships in the conclusion of his comments in his letter to the church at Colossae. I wonder how many of you uh, have heard of this story involving this uh, athlete, number 18 here, who has the word Tipton across his chest. That's because he plays for Tipton High School. It's a town in Missouri. How many know where Tipton, Missouri is? Wow, a few of you do. You are country people for sure. You know, it's a, a small country town uh, west, a little bit west of uh, the city of, of Jeff City. And uh, Tipton High School was playing a, a rival high school uh, in a game on Halloween, October 31. And in the last minutes of the game, uh, this boy was asked to carry the ball, was tackled, and uh, suffered a, a traumatic injury. So traumatic was the injury to um, Chad Stover that the game was stopped, an ambulance was brought out, and, and he was uh, carried away to the University Hospital in Columbia, where he and many, many strangers who were at the game uh, began a life watch on his behalf. Unfortunately, last Thursday morning, he died in his mother's arms. His mom had an opportunity to reflect on how drastically her life had been changed through this one incident. And uh, 
she, like many who have a child or a loved one in uh, a health crisis, uh, had begun to post on a public place uh, her thoughts and her reflections and to keep people informed about uh, Chad's progress. And here's what she wrote on the day of his death. She said, as most of you know, Chad is now whole again with the Lord. I held my sweet boy as he slipped away early this morning. There's a hole in my heart that will never be filled. Just when I think I'm out of tears, <laughs> more tears seem to come. I miss him so much already. Chad has gone from my sight, but not from my heart, not from my soul. Chad moved many of you to pray, to become closer to God, to hold your family a little tighter every day. Please, in his memory, continue to honor that closer relationship that you have with God. Pray daily. Kneel every day. And when you kneel on the football field, say a prayer. Rival towns should come together as one and remember that in the end, football is only a game. I've seen so many wonderful, heartwarming things from all of you. We as a family have been touched beyond belief. Pray for people when they hurt. I can tell you it makes a difference. Hold your family close and never miss an opportunity to tell your child or your loved one that you love them. Give them a hug even if they don't want one. That is one thing I have no regrets about. I told Chad daily how much I loved him. I gave him hugs even when it cramped his style. I know he passed knowing how very much loved he was and cared for by his family. So pray daily, hug tightly, and never take one day for granted. And let me just say to the nurses and the hospital staff at Missouri University, you were too wonderful for words. You laughed with us over stories about our boy, and you cried with us when the end drew near. I love you all and hope you know what wonderful people you are. I will always love Chad Austin Stover forever and always. You know, it's kind of a living tribute to the scripture that says, we grieve, but not like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we know that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Amen? There's just a hopeful attitude in the midst of her loss. Her post was not about the violence of the game of football, although that is certainly a controversy out there these days. She was not careful with what she said pending a possible lawsuit. Her post was not about anger. It was not about blame. It was not even about confusion. It was about her love for her son, and it was about her appreciation for other people in her life who made a great difference to her and how she hoped that Chad and also her family's witness would continue to make a great and ongoing difference in the lives of others. And people were touched. I don't know if you read your news like I do on the internet, but that's mostly where I get my news. And after a story gets posted like that, there's a section for comments that go on for pages. And almost always you'll see some real negative statement made, you know, some blast about this or that, but not this time. You know, the nature of her words called everybody a bit higher. Big Nick wrote, 
May God keep you and your family. Thank you for reminding us of the importance of not wasting another second or a minute. Hold your family close. Tell them how much you love them, even if they don't want to hear it or if they think we already know. Make every moment count. Fan0362 said, Condolences to the family of this young man. And thanks to his mom, who through her grief was able to write such an inspiring letter. I'm just going to ask you, as Paul demonstrates in his closing comments to the church at Colossae in chapter 4, pay attention. Pay attention to all the relationships and all the people in your life. Too often we go through life without paying attention, you know, just accomplishing tasks and and, uh, others accomplishing tasks with us, but not realizing that they're actually doing that, not even thinking about it, but just going through life, putting one foot in front of the other. Paul was conscious of people that were in his life who were a blessing to him and who were mutually engaged with him in sharing Christ, which is all of you, along with me. We have a mission to do. It's the same mission. You do it in a different venue, in a different neighborhood, among different people. But your mission is the same as my mission, to show Christ in the life that we live. Listen to how Paul writes about it. Now, Paul, we know when he wrote this letter, was in prison. He was in prison in Rome. Uh, Colossae was uh, an inland city in the heart of present-day Turkey. It was not even a place that Paul had visited. But we're going to see in his closing remarks that Paul knew some people that they knew. In fact, some people had come from Colossae to Paul uh, to encourage him. And he's sending some back as well for this constant encouragement, understanding the importance of relationships. And pay attention to how many people he mentions. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's sending this guy back with this letter he is a dear brother so paul's endorsing him and saying you know i love him i want you to love him too he's a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the lord i am sending him to you for two reasons for the express purpose that you could know about our circumstance no cell phones no internet you know so they uh cared and concerned each other with uh each other's uh, welfare And that he may also encourage you. Now, I want you to know what's going on, but I also want you to be encouraged. You know, it's not all about me. It's also about your life. You have a job to do. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. Onesimus was from this region, from the region of Colossae and and also Laodicea. Uh, They will tell you everything that is happening here. They will help you be a part of what's going on. My fellow prisoner... Aristarchus sends you his greeting, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You know, people that you know and people that I know, people who are in this with us, you know, this, this common bond that we have in Christ. You have received instruction about him. Now, if he comes to you, welcome him. You know, you have a job to do, and that's to encourage other Christians uh, in their work, even as we're encouraging you. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greeting. These are the only Jews among my co-workers. This was obviously a Jewish community who had come to accept Jesus as their Jewish Messiah. And they have proven a comfort to me. You know, these, these are people I love and uh, people I've come to appreciate. Epaphras, who is one of you, another person known to them and now known to Paul, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greeting. And I want you to know that every time we have a prayer meeting, Epaphras says, oh, don't forget the people of Colossae. And let's pray for them too. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God. He wanted them to know that we were aware of you and 
We want you to be encouraged that you are not in this alone, that you may be mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea, a nearby town, and uh, Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and also Demas send their greetings. He continues to mention people that they have in common and people who are sharing in this work. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. You know, I, I know that there are other people involved, in, and this lady comes to mind, and she has a house church. She has a small group in her home. You know, tell her I'm aware and encourage her as well. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of Laodicea, the nearby town. And by the way, I've also sent a letter to them, and I hope that you'll read the letter that I sent to the people at Laodicea. So share these letters, share encouragement. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. You know, this guy is working, you know, don't take him for granted. Encourage him. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. We aren't meant to go through life alone. And you're not going through life alone, although sometimes you think you are. Paul was aware of his relationships. He was aware that even in this relationship with a distant city, they had 10 people in common, and he calls them out. Now, either the Holy Spirit wasted a lot of inspiration in mentioning 10 people who have little or no consequence, uh, at least historically in the Scripture. Some of them are only mentioned in this place, or else the Lord is telling us people matter, even people who think their lives are incidental. In Romans chapter 16, another letter that Paul writes, chapter 16, if you get to that chapter, I would bet that most of us just page through it and say, oh, it's just a list of names, just a list of names. But it's not just a list of names. Paul wants those people to be encouraged, and he wants to endorse them, and he even calls some of them out and says, you know, you guys ought to get along. You know, I don't like the way I'm hearing you are behaving. Paul is all about the individual. He is intentional about relationships. Pay attention to the relationships you have. The most important things in your life are not things. Don't wait until a funeral before you come to realize that. Think about how Paul wrote it uh, in his general letter to the Hebrews who were scattered across the world. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, Let us consider how we might spur one, and on, one another on toward love and good deeds. You know, this is our mission in life. Not giving up meeting together is the habit of some. You know, not just taking care of our business, but understanding our business involves others. But some are in the habit of doing that, isolating. No, come together, encourage one another. And all the more as you see the end or you see the final day approaching. Just so important in life that we be a source of encouragement and we also allow others to encourage us. You know, in the, in the training to become a pastor, uh, uh, typically... Uh, our denomination requires four years of college, and then you make application to a seminary. And then you do two years at the seminary after college, and then the third year is an internship that you get assigned out somewhere. I was originally assigned to, to go to a, a, a pastorate in, in Texas, but actually uh, just before uh, my assignment, I was switched and sent to, uh, to uh, be a, an intern uh, to a church in Minnesota. The reason they switched me is, is that the guy in Minnesota needs some help. He had just suffered a heart attack. And uh, they wanted to make sure that he had uh, what they believed was a competent person who could actually help him in his work there. And so they sent me up there. And he was recovering, and it was interesting because I was a part of him talking through, you know, uh, regaining his health. And, and the Lord did bless him with a, 
a number of uh, continuing years of good health, but that first year was a struggle for him and especially for his wife. And, and uh, it, it was awkward for them to receive the help of people because they went there to help people. And I remember he talked to me about his wife and he says, oh, she just struggles. You know, she says, we've come here to minister to them and they're so busy ministering to us, it's just awkward for me. And he would say to her, there's a ministry in letting other people minister to you. You know, I, I thought that was valuable training. I've never forgot it. You know, and Paul mentions that too. There are people who are ministering to me. And, and I'm so happy that they're able to do that. So, you know, don't only be strong for somebody else. Allow somebody else to be strong in your life. You know, as you uh, enlist others in sharing Jesus, allow them also to be an encouragement to you and don't isolate yourself from them. I like to say that God has not given us people to get work done. He's not given us this big church to get a lot of things done. He's given us a lot of things to get done to accomplish people. See the difference? You know, ultimately, it's always about people. God didn't so love good theology that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to teach us good theology. He so loved people. He so loved the world that he sent his son to save the world. And he's given us all these relationships that ought to matter. He has not given us people to get work done. He's given us work to get people done. Now, every parent knows this. And, and I'm sure that you can recall, uh, if you had children uh, years ago, or you still have grandchildren, uh, and there are toys strewn across the room, what do you do before they go to bed? You argue. That's what you do. <laughs> you are not going to bed until these toys are picked up. It would be easier, less traumatic, and quicker <laughs> for you just to pick up the toys. And everything would be neater if you did that. But you use these experiences to teach character in the life of kids, don't you? The same with dishes. You know, how many of you have dishwashers and still make your kids wash dishes? Why? You know, the dishwasher could do it more efficiently. But you're going to have them rinse. You're going to have them clean the table. You could do it easier with less trauma. But don't give in to that. Because tasks give you opportunity to get people done. Chores are important in the life of a child. And so also are tasks in the life of Christians. You know, I, I'm amazed that some people balk at uh, the demands made upon us as a church. You know, do we really have to do this work in Cambodia? I mean, do we really? Why, why should we be concerned about Cambodia? Why should we care uh, about establishing angel dormitories there? Why should we send people over there? Let them take care of themselves. And then we think, well, you know, I, reluctantly, I, I guess, you know, it's our Christian duty, and so we'll do it. And the same can be true about volunteerism. You know, uh, some people have cared for my kids in the past, and I guess now it's my turn to care for others. Some people have supported this church and made this possible for us today, so I guess it's my turn. I, I, I wish it weren't so. It's a necessary evil, but I have to do my part, a sense of obligation, rather than a sense of privilege, rather than a sense that this is the way in which God is going to get things done in my life, because it is in giving that we receive. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking about investing in other people. I'm talking about accomplishing things for the Lord. That's how God will accomplish things in your life. That's the richness of life. And when you quit doing that, when you retire from being significant in life, your life will become less significant and less important and you will, become, uh, you will become lonely, and you will become unimportant in your own mind. So don't do that. Understand that uh, God has not given us work as a necessary evil to get accomplished. He's given us work to accomplish us. 
faithfulness to God is all about a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, some churches teach about the sovereignty of God, that, that you ought to do such because God is your creator and God is your Savior and you owe it to him to do this. You know, and, and so we speak about obedience or we speak about doing good works. Faithfulness to God is not best demonstrated by obedience or good works. You cannot make God love you more by avoiding wrong and doing good better than you did yesterday. God cannot love you more than he loves you now. And he doesn't love those who are obedient more than he loves those who are disobedient. God loves us all equally the same. And he sent Christ Jesus into the world uh, to save us when we needed him most, not when we had earned the privilege of him dying for us, but when we had not. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. You see the difference? You know, a, a child who is obedient to the parent in order to earn a reward, or a child who's obedient to a parent because they don't want to suffer the consequence of punishment or discipline, their behavior will be good. But the motive isn't so great. A child who is, uh, behaves in a certain way because they know that their mom and their dad love them and they want to do what pleases their mom and dad because their mom and dad have poured so much love into their life will look just like the child who works out of obedience or fear. But the motive is completely different. God would have us move forward not in fear of his sovereignty but in an appreciation for his grace and the forgiveness that he has provided for all of us. Faithfulness to the Lord is best demonstrated by living in a vibrant relationship to him. You know, here's how Paul put it in, to the church at Rome. He said, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For if you love each other, this is the way you best fulfill all the expectations, all the laws of the Bible. In fact, let me list them. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever other command you can think of, they will be fulfilled if you love your neighbor as yourself, and if you love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all your mind. In fact, if we had that as our motive, to love God and to do what pleases him and to love our neighbor because he died for our neighbor, then we probably wouldn't need the laws except to suggest things that we might not think of. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, he says, love is the fulfillment of the law. Faithfulness to Jesus is also best demonstrated in faithfulness and good, healthy relationships towards others. John in his general epistle said, Dear friends, God so loved us, God so loved us that we therefore ought to love one another. You haven't seen God, but if we love one another, then God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You know, to show obedience to God, he would ask us to love one another. You know what makes you so unique in the kingdom of God, because each one of you are, is not just the unique gifts and and abilities that you have or even your appearance what makes you so unique are the unique relationships that you have and it also makes you quite valuable uh, pastor dion mentioned that there were cards at the end of the pew and he asked that they would be passed down i i hope that you have your card do you have it um, i want you to think about this card now on this card if you look at the one side you were asked to um, put some names of people that you wonder about their relationship with the lord you're not sure I'm not suggesting that you think they're lost, but you're not sure about where they stand with God. And, and uh, the idea of this exercise a few weeks ago when we talked about focusing on a few was that you would think about them and be a little more intentional like Paul was intentional in uh, his letter to the church at Colossae. Uh, 
people that you want to pay attention to, people that you don't want to just go through life ignoring, but you want to develop a deeper relationship so that you can have deeper conversations so that ultimately you could begin a, a spiritual life with these people. Now, if you could not think of a name for this card, and I, I think that's true uh, for many of us, I, I think you need to think again. Because most people in America, while they may claim to be Christian, I think their relationship to God through Christ is very tenuous. I, I don't think it's very strong. And uh, most people don't go to church on a given Sunday. In fact, if, if you left down your neighborhood uh, today, uh, the streets were pretty much vacant. You know, you'd have no trouble navigating Manchester Road on Sunday morning because a lot of people aren't out there packing the streets as they will be later when they go shopping. So I'm saying that you do know people who have a suspect relationship with God. And I want you to think about them by writing their name on the card. Now, if you haven't done that yet, we still wanted you to have a card. And I want you to raise that card now. And I want you to think about one person, either on your card or a person you haven't yet written on this card. And I want you to hold the card up as though you're holding that person before the Lord. It could be a daughter. It could be a parent. It could be a neighbor. It could be a colleague at work. Have that person in mind because we want to pray for them now. So if you'll raise your card, close your eyes. Let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer for these people and understand that we have a vital role to play in their life through the relationship that, that we have that's unique. Uh, no pastor who is more articulate in theology is better positioned to reach this person than you are. And so we pray for them. Gracious Lord, as I raise this name before you, I ask that you would open my eyes to see the possibilities. Keep me attentive to them. And help me to use the opportunities that I have to open conversations that would be sincere, that would not be manipulative, but would be sincere out of concern because you want me to truly be concerned for their well-being. That I would know a little bit more than where they work and what their name is and, and the names of their children. That I, that I would get to know about their hurts, their pains, and their accomplishments. And that I would begin to share a more intentional relationship with them and thus, given the opportunity that I know you will provide, be able to share you with them uh, through my behavior, through my encouragement, through my kindness, and, and through my acts of intentional uh, compassion. Uh, help me, Lord, uh, to be the link from you to them that we might fulfill your expectation uh, to be witnesses in this world. We pray it and we expect it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. And now let me share with you uh, the words that Jesus himself said as he left his disciples because he gave 12 guys the job of saving the whole world. And he said, so go and make followers of all people. That's what he said. He said that to you too. He said it to the 12 and, and you are here today because they did. Go and make followers of all people and bring them to baptism. Have you ever asked? Have you been baptized? Would you like to be baptized? Call us. We'll help. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then demonstrate. And, and also invite them to Bible study. Help them understand all things that, that God has commanded. Not out of concern for obedience, but out of concern for blessing in their life. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded. And don't forget this final thing that he said to you. Don't forget I will be with you always. This job isn't yours to do alone until the end of the age. As Paul employed others, as Paul engaged others... So we also ask that you would engage others in intentional ways uh, to bring them to the knowledge of Christ. And by the way, in doing so, become blessed in your own life. Amen.